Hello and welcome to my weekly sermon podcast. My name is David Hansen and I serve as the pastor of St. John Lutheran Church of Prairie Hill, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America located just outside of Brenham, Texas. I'm recording this intro as I sit on the campus of Texas Lutheran University where I'm taking part in an intergenerational leadership event this week called the Disciple Project. I invite you to learn more about this fantastic event at discipleproject.net. On Father's Day, Sunday, June 16th, we continued in our sermon series on Paul's letter to the Galatians, radical, called Galatians, Radically Free, Radically Bound. This week we read together Galatians 2, verses 15 to 21. To learn more about our congregation, visit us at stjohnprairiehill.org. That's stjohnprairiehill.org. And please feel free to connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash rev, R-E-V, David H. Wherever you are in the world when you listen to this podcast, please know that here at Prairie Hill, I give thanks for you. God bless you, and enjoy this week's sermon. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, Cephas used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting consistent with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And we know that a person is justified not by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus, so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law. Because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Says the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are studying all summer long, began a few weeks ago, through the book of Galatians. And if you'll think back and recall, you'll remember that Galatians was written by whom? Paul. I heard it up here in the front. Here you go. There's one for you. Galatians is written by Paul. And... If you remember the story, think back and remember, 
Paul's story begins as, as he meets Christ and he is transformed by meeting Christ where? Where were they? Road to Damascus. There you go. Right? Road to Damascus. And you can read about the story of, of Paul on the road to Damascus right there in, in the book of Acts. I heard Joseph over here first. A couple other people I heard had it. Uh, yeah, there. I think you had it. There you go. Right? So we heard about this story in the book of Acts in Acts 15 about Paul being converted uh, uh, from his old ways as someone who persecuted Christians. Right? He was someone who, he was there at, at the martyrdom of Stephen and was a part of that and um, continued to, to prosecute and persecute Christians for their faith. And, and he's transformed on that to becoming someone who proclaims the Christian faith to others. Right? Oh, we better get this back row back here. Pass them on down if you would like. Right? And so he's transformed by that experience and becomes the person that he is. And so we encounter him today as someone who proclaims the gospel. And, and we're going to get to the heart of it today, but I want to think a little bit first and, and, and tell you a story. Because this last week or the week before last, I was following around. You all need some. I was following around the. the Vacation Bible School class. And, and as I said before, Vacation Bible School, if you have never been up here during VBS, it's a great experience. We had, you know, 50 kids or so here all week long. Uh, and it was a wonderful experience. But at one point, I wasn't teaching, and so I decided to follow along the youngest kids and follow them around. And it was a great experience. Because as I watched, these teachers had such great control over these youngest of kids who can often be a handful when you get them all together. And I watched. And the kids who behaved well and did well and did the things that they were supposed to do were rewarded with a little bit of candy as they went around. And the kids who didn't do as well or when everybody didn't do what they were supposed to do, there was a little bit less of a reward, right? It's a wonderful system, really. It operates that way in a lot of our lives. When we do well, we are rewarded. When we do the things that we are supposed to, we get a little bit more. As we celebrate our graduates today, we're sending them out into a world where that's the reality. You work a little bit harder, you get a little bit more. You work a little bit less, you get a little bit less. You do the right things, you get a little bit more. You do the wrong things, you get a little bit less, right? That's kind of the way the world works as we send these graduates out. And we're hoping that over the next four or, you know, maybe five or... Maybe even six years. Who knows? As we send them out, that those five or six years or four years or whatever it is will prepare them to go out into a world where that's the reality. And it really is a good system. Whether you're dealing with a class of vacation Bible school students or college students, it tends to work out pretty well. If you have a system where you positively reinforce with rewards good behavior and you take rewards away from those who behave in negative ways. But the problem with this sort of, you know, candy-based economy, this candy-based way of looking at the world, pass that down, uh, is that a lot of people take this and they take this and it becomes oh, the way that they look at who God is. Right? That God operates, they say, the same way that our world do, does, the same way that our vacation Bible school class does. That if you do the right things, you will get a little piece of God candy. You will get your 
ticket stamped for entrance. You will get the right reward. If you do just the right things, God will reward you. And if you do just the wrong things, God will take away all the reward. God will take away all the candy. This is the faith that a lot of people believe and proclaim in the world today. And it is precisely what Paul is preaching against in the book of Galatians. He's talking about an encounter that he has with Cephas, with Peter, right? It's another way to say Peter. With Cephas, an encounter he has with Peter. And Peter had previously believed and done the same ways that Paul had believed and done. That is, circumcision and all of the Jewish law, they were no longer necessary. Peter would eat with Gentiles. But then all of a sudden, Peter changes his tune. And he says, in order to be a good Christian, you have to first be a good Jew. In order to be a good Christian, you have to follow the right set of rules. Who you eat with. What foods you eat. Circumcision. 604 other different rules. You have to follow the right set of rules in order to take part in this gift that is given to us in Jesus Christ. And Paul says no today. Paul, as we encounter him in Galatians, says no. He says, we have come to believe, verse 16, we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law Because no one will be justified by the works of the law. If you've got your Bible with you today, that's one that's worth underlining. No one will be justified by the works of the law. No one will be justified by the works of the law. Because, says Paul, Jesus has already done it. Jesus' gift is so big. Jesus' gift is so great. The grace of God that comes to Je- through Jesus is so powerful that there is nothing that you or I can add to it. And if we say, you have to have Jesus and this, somehow we're saying what Jesus did was not enough. What Jesus has offered us doesn't quite get us there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's God's grace, but also... You know, you've got to do the right things and be the right sort of person. And Paul says, no. The minute we start doing that, we start saying that Jesus is not enough. That God's grace is not enough. And that's troubling for Paul. That's what he talks about when he talks about there being no other gospel. The gospel is God has done it for you in Jesus Christ. And there is nothing. There is nothing that you can do that is so terrible that it can separate you from what Jesus has done. There's nothing you can do that is so bad that it can overpower what Jesus has done for you. There is nothing that you can do that can separate you from Jesus because Jesus is strong enough and His grace is strong enough to overcome each and every bit of it. And that's fine. And that's good. And that's a powerful word for us to bring to the world about God's grace. And it's easy to believe in God's grace and that there's nothing we can add to it when we are talking about people that we love. right? When we're talking about people that we love, it's easy to talk about God's grace. It's easy to say, God loves these children no matter what. God loves these graduates that we are blessing today no matter what. 
Like a father who loves his children, God loves no matter what, and God's grace is sufficient for them. I don't know about you, but it gets a little bit harder for me to talk about God's grace when people start to look a little bit different than me. It gets a little bit harder for me to talk about God's grace when people are people who make me uncomfortable. I want to say, you know, we say things like, oh, yes, everybody who's welcome in church, just, you know, could you make sure and get a little bit nicer clothes before you come on Sunday? Hey, everybody is welcome in church, but could you, you know, get a haircut before you come on Sunday? Right? We start to have this little bit of discomfort in saying that, does God love people like that just the same as me? No one, says Paul, will be justified by works of the law. No one will be justified by works of the law. We can add nothing to what Jesus has done through the cross. Maybe that doesn't make you uncomfortable. But, you know, maybe you should cover up your tattoos before you come to church on Sunday. Where's our comfort level? How comfortable are we really saying that God's grace extends to everyone? That Jesus so loved the world. Again, I can't speak for you, but there comes a point where I start to get uncomfortable with that idea. That I want to put limits on God's grace. I want God to love me and the people that I love, but when it comes to the people that I am less comfortable with, I'm not so sure. And that's what Paul is pushing on us on. Again and again and again. No one is justified by works on the law, works of the law. For if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. What about people who look like that? Does God love them too? Is God's grace just as strong for them too? Do we start to get uncomfortable? I don't know. Well, and then we want to say things like, you know, yes, but. Yes, God has grace, but. Don't we? At what point is God's grace not enough? At what point is God's grace not strong enough? Jesus says that anybody who can love the, the people who love them, that's easy. Even the worst sort of person loves the people who love them. But what about you? Do you love the people who hate you? Do you pray for them? Is God's grace the same for them as it is for you? Is there anything that they have done that God's grace is not strong enough to overcome? Any more than what you or I have done. It's a difficult question. And then we say things like, well, but you have to have faith, right? I mean, we're good Lutherans. We are justified by grace through faith. Some of you might be able to guess where I'm going because I go there pretty often. And it's the one section of Luther's small catechism that if you don't have memorized, you ought to. And it's his answer, his explanation of the third article of the Creed. And he says this about the third article of the Creed. Luther says, I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But it is the Holy Spirit that has called me through the gospel. Even our faith 
is God's gift. See, this is the trap we want into. We even make faith into a work, don't we? Right? Faith. If you have enough faith, you'll get the piece of candy. If you get enough, have enough faith, you'll get the reward. If you have the right sort of faith, then God will love you. But Paul says no works can be added to what God has done. God has done it. I believe, as uncomfortable as it makes me, I believe as much as it sometimes makes me squirm, that there is nothing that is so terrible that God's grace can't overcome it. I believe that there is no distance too far for God's grace to go. I believe that there is nothing that we can add to what Jesus Christ has done. And that's fine in principle. What does it really look like to say that there is nothing that God can't forgive? St. Matthew recounts the story of Jesus saying that you have heard it said you shall not murder. But I say to you, if you say in your heart, you fool, you are guilty of murder. How many times have you insulted someone? How many times have you held hate in your heart for someone? How many times, as Jesus' definition, are you a murderer? How many times over are you a murderer? And can God forgive your murdering heart? Can God forgive someone else's murdering heart? There is nothing says Paul, more powerful than the grace of God given through Jesus Christ. There is nothing stronger than the grace of God given through Jesus Christ. There is nothing more we can add. And it's as true for us as it is for everyone else in the world. For God so loved the world. And I believe that if God intends to love the world, ain't none of us going to be able to stop God from loving the world. The grace of God is that strong. The grace of God is that powerful. As we go out into the world, we are called to share the same gospel that Paul proclaims. That it is no longer Christ, I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And all that I have and all that I am is a gift of God's grace. And God loves you the same way that God loves me? Can we be brave enough, strong enough, courageous enough to proclaim that God's grace is stronger than everything else?